This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. The hosts are not trained professionals, and their opinions come solely from personal experience. In this episode, we discuss fictional depictions of trauma and violence that may not be suitable for all audiences. Please take care of yourselves. Specific content warnings for each episode can be found in the show notes. Events in the media are discussed in approximate order of escalation. This episode contains spoilers. In this, our final episode about Tamara Pierce's Circle of Magic books, the now no longer children are reunited as adults. With their own traumas and scars, they must find a way to get to know each other again. Hi, I'm Nicole. And I'm Robin. And today on Books That Burn, we are joined by two guests. I'm Anna. I'm one of the co-hosts of Circle of Friendship Podcast, where we talk about everything Emelon related. I'm MJ. I am the other co-host of Circle of Friendship and a member of the Certain Point of View Network. Excellent. So today, our factions are Sandry, Triss, Daja, Briar, Ambrose, Empress Baronet, Rizu, Shan, Finn, Jack, Zagors, Gudrunny, Quinale, and Isabel Ladyhammer. So for our minor character spotlight, we're going to talk about Zagors. If you have read Cold Fire, you may recall him from there. And the topic for him is mental illness. And I want to be clear that he might be mentally ill now, but Part of what's going on is we're untangling the difference between mental illness and people just thinking he's crazy when he actually just has magic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And magic that affects his ability to function specifically. Mm -hmm. And process incoming information. Yeah. And yeah, like he's in his 40, or I think they figured out that he must be like 52 or so. I think that's what they, they figured out. Yeah, he's in his 50s. Yeah, he's in his early 50s based on when he remembers a certain historical event happened. um, Because he has been like completely cut off from the structure of society and bouncing from institution to institution ever since he was 15 and started hearing voices and seeing things. Yeah, and and this is one of those things where in an earlier book, Nico had warned Triss against learning how to scry this way uh because a lot of people who who learn this skill are driven mad by it Mm -hmm. their their brains stop being able to process and decipher what is real and what is just a vision and it's it's a very interesting moment in the book because or uh, there's several interesting moments here because uh so daja already knows this character triss now learns what this character is is dealing with and kind of has this moment of like oh this is what nico meant like she knew but there's a difference between knowing and going oh oh i understand i think Mm -hmm. also zagor's is kind of this alternate reality for all of them yeah like if we had not been rescued when we were, we could be on our way to being like Zagors. Because mm-hmm. when his magic manifested, people didn't understand that that's what was happening because 
Like they don't like it's it's a kind of ambient magic or it's it's, it's something closer to it than academic magic anyways. Yeah, cuz he he didn't have to learn. He didn't try to do this. This was just this is his magic. This is what he does. Yeah. And it's not like he did the mage signs as a kid and then no. later started seeing things. He just saw and heard things. Zagor's right. And also Oh no, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say that because he lives in an empire built on like intrigue and secrets and just all this stuff, like he keeps accidentally learning stuff that he shouldn't know or people think he does at the very least. And so mm-hmm. people have been like casting magic on him so that he can't reveal stuff that he knows, but he doesn't even know all the stuff that they'd be worried about. So he's just like <laughs> this ball of anxiety and fear that's like, I can't talk to anyone because all the secrets will tumble out. What secrets? I don't know. Just all of the secrets that I definitely have that <laughs> yeah. I will obviously say. Well, it puts a really interesting... I like that they have it this way because we see Triss particularly as she's learning to scry on the wind in earlier books and she's kind of... She doesn't know that's what she's doing, but she's kind of doing it. She she just... We just see her take conversations and pull them in and and listen to them and just learn things. And like that's... That is plot important several times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not just something that happens in the situation. It's a thing that she does that means that the kids have information that they're not supposed to have over and over and over and over. And it, it's just a, like, you know, Nico and the other the other teachers could have treated her the way that Zagoras was treated. And they did not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He raises... Instead, she was treated in a healthy way. <laughs> yeah. He raises kind of a couple interesting points, one of which is that potentially scrying on the wind isn't as quite as rare as Nico seems to think it is. Maybe people have just Mm -hmm. been ignored for so long um, when they do it Mm -hmm. and kind of driven to mental illness as a result because they're constantly being basically gaslit and second guessed and and questioned. Mm -hmm. And then that Mm -hmm. also brings up the point of whether or not it's actually the seeing on the wind that drives you to that or if it's the reaction of the people around you. And I mean, it's probably some combination Mm -hmm. of the two, but it's not necessarily just that you're constantly dealing with this sensory overload. It's also the reaction of people around you when you know things you shouldn't or when they think you know things you shouldn't. Yeah, and Tris Mm -hmm. has this experience firsthand when she was um, first found by Nico. She'd been treated this way by her family and all the people who just kept passing her along because, like, they didn't know what was going on. They thought she was possessed. They thought that she was insane. I mean, like, she was causing earthquakes, so, like, I understand them not (laughs) wanting her there while they're trying to figure out what is going on with her? Well, that's the thing, though. I would like to put that in contention. They did not try to figure out what was going on with her. They quite specifically said, actually, you can just go. My apologies. When I said they, I meant they assumed whoever she ended up with would be the ones to figure it out. But then did those they? people would pass her along, too. Like, yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. yeah. I, I, just, it, it, I don't want to give them credit agree. for that in any way, shape, or form. What, what I know. mean is that it was, we can't figure this out. Go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Become someone yeah. else's problem. Yeah, exactly. Like, you can just leave. Daja's interaction with him. Like, I thought there was more with Daja interacting with him in this book. But mostly, like, once they figure out what's going on, kind of like Triss takes over. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Like, Daja feels this responsibility for him because she's kind of the reason that he's out and free in the world. But Triss really takes it on because she's the only one that can teach him and she knows that. Yeah. Yeah. And also, this isn't the first time that Triss has been the only one who could teach somebody. Like, we already Mm -hmm. saw that in Shatterglass. So she, more than Daja, has a reaction of like, all right, I guess it's me. Like, not in an exasperated <laughs> or resigned way, but like, uh, okay, this this is what's happening. All right, let's 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 take care of this. Yeah, she was- res- well, That makes sense, because if you think about, like, their powers, like, Triss has very uncommon, unusual, odd, frightening to p- a lot of people power sets. And Dodge's powers are like, it, it's smithery. It's the thing that you have all the time. And then her apprentices, since we're not going to- are we talking about that book? No. No, we're not uh, going to talk about it. No, not that book. Uh, her her apprentices uh, don't have her magic. And so a, a, a smith mage is not an uncommon or unusual thing. And the apprentices that she did have, she wasn't qualified to teach them their craft anyway. And so, it, you know, it's it's... It's very, it makes sense in a, like, well, of course Trish is the only one because Trish is all, Trish is the only one that she knows that has anything of her skill set also. Whereas Daja, you know, there's smith mages to just make things. Like, that's not a weird thing to have. The uncommon thing is that she's an ambient smith mage, but even there, it's one of the more common kinds of ambient magic. Right. But even then, like, she can go to an academic smith mage and learn. Mm -hmm. Like, that's not really an option for Triss. Or Zagors. Or for Zagors, yeah. exactly. Poor Zagors. Yeah. He really got the short end of the stick. Just like abused by society because they don't understand him. Cast out, lost. He's an older man who doesn't have a strong like sense of development. I feel like Zagors is always going to be 15 years old in a way. I, I think there's plenty of room for him to get better oh yeah i agree also yeah like i i don't know what will happen if there are more books that where we get to see him but i would not be shocked if you know there's another installment that's like five years later and it's like hey he was never he never was actually mentally ill at all yeah i Given how he is as a character, I would not be surprised if that's the resolution. Or I should say that the only mental illness he still would have is something like PTSD and not anything congenital. That's more what I mean. Yeah. On to Sandry and Abandonment. So... The four main kids have all kind of like grown apart a little bit at this point because they were like 12 or 13 when they were last around each other. And now they're like 14. Well, well, no, because in the books where they're all separate, they're 14. Yeah. Yeah, because they left. They had to leave before age 14. Yeah, they had to leave before age 14 in order to all not be in the same place when they were all 14 for that year. And they're, um, are they 16 yeah. or 18 in this book? They're 18, 18 now. 18. So, so it's Briar, been six years. 
It's been six years, six, five to six years, depending on exactly when they left. Yeah. So Briar was kid you're talking about. They didn't all leave exactly at the same time. Briar was 16 in battle magic. And mm-hmm. then now everybody is 18 here. Right. Mm-hmm. And they all come back over a period of like a year or something at the beginning of the book. Yeah. Or at least six months. Like it's a, it's a while. Yeah. And they left similarly. But anyways, mm-hmm. <laughs> they staggered. The- but so, the main thing being, it's been a while since yeah. they were all in the same place. Yeah. And Sandra's and, built up this like idea in her head of how perfect it's going to be to have everyone back together again. It's going to be like they never left. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. like Sandra, from an audience perspective, at least for me, Sandra's excitement at the beginning of the book compared to that one moment when she finds out that I think it was Daja has been here for a while and just didn't tell her mm-hmm. is heartbreaking. It's really Yeah, sad. she bought a house too. Yeah, like she's totally set up and she was like, oh, well, I was going to establish myself and then come see if you still wanted to talk to me. And Sandria is like, I've been sitting here alone waiting for you. And, and you've you, been here like a month. You didn't even bother to tell me you were back. I mean, <laughs> I think what makes it even harder for Sandry is she knows that Daja's yeah. back. She can feel her back, but Daja well, no, they, won't let her can't. in. No, I she think can't. she can. At first, can she? I thought they totally didn't know where each other was at all at first. Right. I think Daja had closed her out, so she couldn't feel her come back. Yeah. If I'm recalling yeah, correctly. Yeah, because she had to find out. That does not yeah. sound Someone right else. according to my memory, but it has been a while since I read it. So maybe I'm the one misremembering things. They start like reopening those connections before they fully are like mentally talking to each other at first but like there it, it is a whole it's like a whole big deal that she couldn't feel Daja there and like like that was a whole thing because like that was a shock to her like she was waiting for those connections to feel like they were getting stronger and, and then there yeah was uh, the connection wasn't open because Sandry says I have to learn from your teacher that not only have you been in Emily in two oh, weeks okay. but you went and bought a house of your own yeah, so it she did not find out from the connection. Okay. I had a memory of someone complaining that Sandry was, like, pestering her. That's later oh, in does. the book. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's yeah. why they kept the connection closed, too, when they first came back, because they were all dealing with this, like, trauma and the experiences they've had. And realistically, even though they were super close, they were only together for, like, two, three years. So they've been gone for longer than they were together. So their their experiences apart have outweighed in some ways the experiences they had while they were a unit. In That's terms a really of, good point. In terms I of just how long that. it is. Yeah. So they've all become their own people as you do when you grow up, but also just the the comparative amount of time. It was such a blip when they were this like really tight-knit group, even though they love each other and missed each other. And none of them really felt prepared to like reopen that and bring it back in when they've had more time being independent. And I feel... I really appreciate that the kinds of um, interpersonal mistakes that they make are very consistent with them being teenagers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like because it's like they're overly conscientious of each other. And they're like, well, I didn't want to, all of the trauma that I went through in the years we were apart to bother you because I care about you. So I have decided that you must be so mad at me (laughs) for being somewhere and being traumatized that you wouldn't want to hang out with me anymore. And then, but with each other, all they're all like, but why the brought the like, (laughs) 
And like all these like little bits where they're like, oh, yeah, I forgot that like they did this when they're upset. Why are they acting like this? They're acting like this with strangers. Oh, no. (laughs) I'm like a stranger. Like there's a lot of little moments with that that were really good. Yep. Um, But yeah, so the big thing that the other three kind of find out here is that Sandry felt abandoned by them leaving because... When she was, like, 13, she was like, yeah, go have an adventure. And so then they went and had adventures for, like, five years. <laughs> and she's and like, I'm just home with my uncle. And she's like, oh, I'm no, home. there's trauma here. <laughs> yeah. And, like, oh, gosh, like, I mean, I'm not they- going to spoil what happened to the others in their other books. But, like, I want to be clear. Sandry went through a huge thing. Yeah. A very, very traumatic thing. And there's not a breath of it in this book. She's just like, oh, yeah, yeah, I had a student. Like, nothing. Nothing about what she and that student had to deal with in her book. Yeah, yeah. everybody made this assumption that Sandry was going to be in a place where she has a very high station. So nothing bad is going to happen to her. She's just going to sit and do her stitch witch thing. And she's going to have a great (laughs) life. And nobody has to worry about her whatsoever. And nobody thinks that just for a second, this ball of fight me isn't going to find (laughs) the worst thing in Emelon and poke at it. <laughs> I mean, it needed well, and, to be poked. And also, like in in the original quartet, especially in like I think the first two books, there's a lot of all four kids mm-hmm, kind mm-hmm. of dealing with classism. There's a lot of there's a lot of Sandry not caring at all about class, and there's a lot of Tris caring about class. Daja and Briar are used to nobles who care about class. Yeah. And then, so then they come back and there's like this, like, well, Sandry will be like all the other nobles now, kind of a feel. And Triss is not like that anymore. Like, her character grows stuck. But then she, I think, kind of, if I remember correctly, she's the only one who doesn't assume that that Sandry's going to be this uptight noble. But it's not because she doesn't think she'll be that way. It's because she still recognizes her own place, quote unquote, in society and kind of goes... Well, she won't be like that to me, even if she treats you that way. Yeah. Which is still like the And then Sandry's over here like, I wasn't like this at 10. I won't <laughs> be like this as an adult. I'm not terrible. Why are you doing this to me? It's made more complicated that because that, that the part of the problem is that she is a little bit like that now. Yeah. Because like, uh, they're not wrong. It's just not a complete transformation. And so- the way that she is a little bit like that and understands how to wield it as a thing gets in the way because they're like, you can't tell us you're not like this because you were literally like this 10 minutes ago. And she's like, but not to you. And they're like, but but you weren't like this to anybody before. Yeah. 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 But there's definitely a difference between knowing how to use and wield your privilege to in healthy ways versus just I am the noble bow down yeah and they're kind of expecting like they talk about expecting like the the worst of that and instead they get this kid who figured out like oh okay well here's how this is actually supposed to work and I can kind of pull my weight to get these good things done and while we're talking and then they're just like why don't don't run over us (laughs) and while we're talking about abandonment part of what sandry's dealing with here is the legacy of her parents abandoning her mother specifically abandoning her responsibilities in namorn 
and being the kind of floaty noble that it's very easy to be in this yeah. place. Yep. It's encouraged and cultivated. And so Sandry's dealing with having to pick up the things and people that her mother abandoned and everyone like not quite wanting to tell her what they are because they didn't expect any better of a noble anyway. Right. And they don't understand that she's actually going to care and she's actually going to be someone who wields her privilege to protect the people under her. And by the people under her, I mean anyone she decides that she cares about because she has a huge heart. She but does. That being said, they're not entirely wrong because she doesn't want to fully take on the responsibility. Like that's something she this has to gra- grapple with too is her own her own place in this abandonment web because one she's kind of she's never had the highest opinion of her parents in in terms of like her closeness with them. <laughs> like she's she's always been like they were kind of foolish, but she's having to really grapple with what that meant to the people around them, but then also to uh-huh. see herself in that too because she doesn't want to come back and rule this land mm-hmm. in Namorn, but she also doesn't want to give it up because she does feel entitled to it. And so uh-huh. she has to kind of realize that it's not just people leaving her all the time. It's like it, where is she falling into that too? And how much of that abandonment mm-hmm. is she going to continue? Mhm. Yeah. Uh, what part does she play in that cycle? Exactly. Being a grown-up is hard. I I also (laughs) want to highlight Sandry's thought process of when everybody returns, they're going to move in with her in Uncle's Citadel and everything (laughs) will go back to normal. The problem is when they were 10, there was absolutely no power imbalance. They were all perfectly equal because if Sandry fucked up, Rose Thorne was going to be on her just the same as anyone else. She was not given any special privileges. But if they did do this thing that Sandry wants them to do, move in with her at the Citadel, it's not going to be like that. There is now a power imbalance because she's practically Duke Vedris's heir. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and even if, I think even if they had moved into the Citadel when she was 10, there would have been a power imbalance in a way that they didn't have at Discipline. Just, oh, yeah. in, just by it being her home. <laughs> And by the way, other people treat her versus them. Yes. She can't control that. She can say, don't treat them any differently, but she's not always going to be there watching over it. Oh, yeah. yeah. That power balance would have been there. But because of where they did live when they were 10, it wasn't mm-hmm. there. Exactly. Yeah. But that's one of those things where I think, like, Sandry, like, this is one of those things where even when I read it the first time, I agreed with Dasha. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, Dasha was like, no. Like, not necessarily in the, I'm not telling you I'm home until XYZ. Like, you know, but if I was in Dasha's position or if I was in a place where I was in, like, I had a similar setup or situ- situation to Dasha, I would absolutely say, no, I'm not living there. Yeah. I yeah. love you. I will visit you. That does not put me on equal footing with you, even if you want it to. And so, like, I would have, like, yeah, hypothetically, if I were making Dasha's decisions, I would have gone and said hello and then told her my plans. Like, I will have this place. It will be my own. Don't get it for me, etc. But that's and also so- because you're an emotionally intelligent adult. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. But that 18. was that would have been my react. That was my reaction when I first read this when I, I think I was 18 or 19. It was right. It was a while ago. I might not have been that young. I don't remember when this book was published. But like I was reading, but I remember reading that scene and going, but Dasha's right. <laughs> Why are you upset about this? And then I got older and went, oh, I get it. Dasha is absolutely right. Yeah. One of the things Dasha says about the situation that Sandri expects is, 
you want us to live in this home with you where we have no control over it, where we could be cast out easily. Like, what if Duke Vedras dies and you don't take over Emelon and one of his sons does? What happens to us? What if you're not here? We need a place that's going to be ours. And I think- And that's important. If they were not so closed off and lacking the ability to communicate so many things and expecting the worst of each other- I think Daja could have presented it as, and this could be your home too if your circumstances change. This is a place for all of us. But instead, because they are 18 and anxious and traumatized and dealing with all of the baggage of everything that they've been through, it just becomes a fight when it doesn't need to be, as, as will happen when you're in that state. to Sandry and kidnapping. Okay, so there's a couple different things that we're going to kind of cover in this one. Uh, so I just want to state up front that we are going to talk a little bit about uh, a form of rape culture that is the the part of the culture in, in this book, in this setting. Uh, we are also going to probably refer to some claustrophobia and some uh i would i would argue even physical abuse yeah Mm -hmm. yeah so just a heads up that even though our topic is kidnapping it is there's some darker stuff bound up in it kidnapping's already pretty dark yeah it is inextricably linked (laughs) to these other things that are maybe a little bit less i was gonna say palatable but like a little bit less easy to handle so so up the, the end goal of all the kidnappings in this book, both to Sandry and discussed as having happened to other people, um, is imprisonment with magical binding if the person being kidnapped is a mage, and then forced marriage, which then means sexual assault in the form of spousal rape. Um, though when you didn't consent to be married, it's at that point, it's just straight up sexual assault. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just is. Yeah. And this whole... This whole culture in this book being set up to literally take magical and physical and marital agency away from a good part of the populace, at least for nobility, is... Oh no, I think it's in general, right? It's in general. It's worse for commoners, even. It's in general, yeah. With commoners, it often involves domestic abuse, too, like physical abuse as well. Yeah. It really puts a, it really kind of catches Sandry off guard, I think, because she kind of gets here and then is like, she doesn't know that this is the practice. She doesn't know, like she, she starts off being told you will marry this person because we've decided you will. And then she kind of goes, but I had nothing to say with that and I don't want to. And then they're like, well, okay, but if you don't want to, we have a way to fix that. We're just going to force you to. Yeah. And it's also forced pregnancy because, like, Sandry is, like, reading this. I'm like, hmm, seems like demisexual aromantic and has zero interest and or maybe could be interested in having a kid because she, she might, refers yeah, to, like, what but, she might want for her children. Yeah. But she isn't but this, interested. this is not it. <laughs> this is no, not this, it. This is not the way to do that. And so people will try to say, oh, won't be so bad. You just have to have a kid and then you'll be able to have your own life. And I'm like, mm, no, nope. no, no, thank that's you. That's not how that works at all. And, and that's not- kind of just a, a really like for her in, in nobility, that could potentially be true. It's right. She could 
potentially have a child. Hand them off. Shove that child off. Yeah, literally hand them off to her caretakers and say, raise my baby and and actually have her own life. But as far as like the culture goes, that's- It probably won't go like that. Well, it probably won't go like that. But also she's the she's in the upper tier of nobility with the only ones with that privilege. Mm-hmm. Like Gunrunny has like either somewhere between two and four kids. I think it might be just- she yeah. has she has several kids. I think maybe it's three. And not to say that Gadrani like didn't want to have kids, but she did not want to have kids with this person. Yeah. Right. And she loves her children. Like she loves them. She doesn't want to put them in a dangerous position, which is why she takes them with her. You know, Gadrani is such a good person. Yeah. Yeah. She and is. even like in terms of like the rape culture, like even the whole like Oh, there, if the woman is, is freed by her liege, there's no, like, the man can't Ugh. keep the kids. But the reason that the man can't keep the kids is because Empress Baronet doesn't want a man to have any power over her, and so children always go with the mother. Yeah, yeah it, it just, it feeds on itself, and it cycles in a really, just really gross rape culture patriarchal feedback loop. And then Baronet doesn't seem to understand why someone would kidnap Sandry from the palace. And it's because you perpetuated rape culture. You made it clear that you wanted her to be pursued. You made it clear that you were totally fine with kidnapping being one of the things. And then you get affronted that it happened on your doorstep. You, yeah. Like she literally, she's literally just over here like, oh, well, I don't want this to happen to me, which means I want to, it's like she has this really warped view of if I don't like it, it won't happen, mm-hmm. including if I don't like it happening to someone else. But then she invites, it, it's, it's not good. She, she uses she an patriarchy for her benefit when she needs to, yeah. and then is shocked when as a female ruler, like it still undermines her. <laughs> it's like, okay, yes, you do have the most power, but you've continued to perpetuate. You didn't create it, but you've continued to perpetuate a society where women are seen, in particular in this case, women are seen as something that can be traded, someone who has no agency, someone who men can take for their own. And yes, not you because you are the empress, but there are still people who want your power. You don't think they're going to try and find ways to undermine you using that system? Right. Really? (laughs) And even like two of her lovers collude to end up in a good position for both of them while still like messing up the empress and Sam. Yeah. Yep. And she's like, how did they think I'd be fine with any of them after they pull this? And it's like, well... (laughs) you made it clear what was important to you yeah because entitlement does that it makes you think that like just as the she thinks the rules don't don't apply to her it makes them think okay but if i do this successfully yeah then it'll be fine yeah exactly the whole no forgiveness like you know don't ask for permission just get forgiveness afterward like that's what they're running on well it's not even forgiveness it's it's the culture says that i can do what i want which means if I succeed in not doing what you want, then nothing can touch me. Yeah. Like, it's not even forgiveness. It's, I don't care if you forgive me. If I'm successful, you can't say anything because you're not a man. And it's uh-huh. like, it's just gross. Um, I do want to make sure we we talk about the, the, the claustrophobia. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and the claustrophobia. Yeah, the actual kidnapping and the claustrophobia. Sandry has a lot of, 
It's interesting to me. Okay, I said that. Now I'm going to make a different point. (laughs) It's interesting to me that specifically Sandry, as the only noble woman in our quartet of of main characters, is the one who experiences loss of agency over and over and over and over and over and over and over over again. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Her arc in the original trilogy, uh, Quartet. quartet, was... You know, it it starts with her being locked, trapped in a, a cellar. Um, she is told over and over, like, you know, you can't do these things. You have to do these things. You can't do these things. I have to do these things because you're a noble. You, uh, you can't go off and explore the world because you have responsibilities. And now you have these people that are under your care. But here are a million rules because you can't just take care of them. You're not allowed. <laughs> and then she's told, well, now we're going to take your agency away for, for, for marriage in the future, for decisions over your own, your own home life, your own sexual life, your own familial life. And then we're going to lock you and stick you in a cellar again and take away your agency to make decisions when you try and stand up and say no. And it's, it's one of those things where, there are so many ways that you can have a noble in a in a story and still have them be a, a positive character and not a negative one. And uh, I, I just find it interesting that because every kid has kind of their own repeating traumas, but definitely one of one of Sandry's really is that that lack of agency of people taking her decision making power away from her in multiple ways over and mm-hmm. over. And like here. When she gets kidnapped, like, the first time in this book, she gets kidnapped twice. Um, it triggers her claustrophobia mm. because she's she's locked in a crate with no light. And, like, the only way she was able to get out is because she'd started to reconnect. Or actually, she 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 escaped through... She forced the reconnection with Briar. <laughs> <laughs> she basically mentally yelled at him until he bothered to answer yeah. her. Like, hey... She broke the boundaries, (laughs) which normally a bad thing. But hey, when it has to do with your survival, you do what you have to do. (laughs) Yeah, but like it it put her in a position where she had to force Briar to lose his agency and do a thing he didn't want to do, which was reestablish this magical connection in order to preserve her her more urgent, in this case, Mm -hmm. um, connection. But can we just shout out that one moment where Briar's just like, how dare you? Wait, why are you in a box? <laughs> yeah, he's just like, whoa. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> it's just bad. It's like, it's interesting, but it's like. Because <laughs> yeah, Briar knows how to compartmentalize. <laughs> oh, Bri- yeah. Briar was the very good choice of who to, who to yell at in that circumstance. Like, Sandry knew. Like, he would be mad, and then he would look and go, okay, I'll yell at you for, or maybe not. But, you we'll know, talk about I'll, this I'll later. Be mad at It'll you be for, fine. For, yeah, I'll, I'll yell at you about my boundaries later, but also, let's go save Sandra. <laughs> Get you out of the box. Yeah, yeah. Let's go make sure you're okay first. Oh, goodness. But that's like, oh, man. And and it, it's just. I think this book. I relate to Briar. Yeah. I think that, that Sandry's arc does a really good job of showing that 
if you are someone who is in any way marginalized, getting any amount of privilege doesn't change the fact that you are still marginalized and therefore you should have oh, yeah. class solidarity and whatnot instead of having, instead of saying, well, this doesn't affect me. And that's yeah. really hard to do without being like, oh, boo hoo, it's hard to be rich too. And they do a really good that's job of really, it here. That's a really good, that's a really good summary of what I spent five minutes trying to say. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I was like, I don't know how to articulate this. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, that's a, that's a really good, that's a really good way of putting that. Have solidarity with other people who are downtrodden in the same ways and different ways than you instead of being yeah. like, well, that thing doesn't touch me, so it can't be that bad. No, you know that there are things that are bad in the world. <laughs> so like help yeah. the other bad things too. Hey, Nerf Herders, my name is Case Aiken, and for over two years, I've hosted my show, Another Pass, where I sit down with interesting guests to talk about movies that we find fascinating but flawed. Good movies, bad movies, doesn't matter. We find ways that they could have been improved. So if you ever thought that a sequel dropped the ball by forgetting about a plotline, that an epic could have been saved by introducing the director to an editor, or that a comedy didn't work hard enough to have some substance behind the laughs, then check out Another Pass podcast at certainpov.com or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, on to the wrap-up and ratings. Uh, and in case you missed the intro stuff, we are joined by two guests. Want to say hello quickly? Hi, I'm Anna. I'm one of the co-hosts of Circle of Friendship podcast, which focuses on Tamara Pierce's Circle of Magic and subsequent series. And I'm MJ, the other co-host of the Circle of Friendship podcast. Excellent. All right, so our th- topics here we've got mental illness abandonment and kidnapping so the gratuity rating for mental illness does one of you want to take this one somebody anybody (laughs) okay so well all right so for mental illness gratuity ratings uh i i would argue so a lot of this is backstory Mm -hmm. yeah definitely Uh but a lot of the but a lot of the on-screen presentation i think is pretty severe and i i'm not arguing that the depiction and this is going to be an interest i'm going to try and say this without spoilers i am not arguing that the depiction of the of the uh uh supposition of mental illness is a severe depiction that's not what i'm saying but the treatment of this character by other people and the trauma that this character has gone through I think is a pretty severe depiction. I could agree with that. I would have said moderate, but based on what you just explained, I think that's a very valid read. I I would say, I would actually say moderate because most of what we see happening for him here is the kids helping him deal with everything and not reacting badly to him. But he and has very severe PTSD reactions on screen. And those are directly caused by all of the other stuff. Yeah, his suffering has been severe. Yeah. Yeah. All right. For abandonment. Um, I would maybe go with moderate yeah. because I don't think that the I don't think the abandonment itself is severe. I think that someone is having a a um, strong reaction to it. They perceive to be something that may be more severe than it is or that may seem more, to them more severe than it is. Yeah, I think that's. But is well, a lot of 
Sorry, go ahead. But Well, so part of how we do this rating is it's not, is this a severe kind of trauma, but this is just how it's depicted. Because you could have a relatively like innocuous trauma, but someone's reaction to it could be extremely severe. And that's what we base the rating on. And Right. I don't think that the depiction of this is severe, though. I think that maybe the way that this character responds to it portrays more severity than we even see depicted yeah is i guess the way i would phrase it uh what were you gonna say mj uh i was going to say that it's a trauma that is very relatable and it's not done in a way (laughs) because it's that kind of like we're growing apart type of thing yeah and that's hard for everybody to go through and it's not done in a way i think that is more intense than many have experienced does that make sense or am i just talking nonsense at this point no, no, yeah, that tracks, and that actually, the the thing that I was thinking was, fits in with what you're just saying, uh, and that a lot of the trauma here is based on miscommunication. Yeah. And so, like, that's a very, like, you're right, that's a very relatable, just, oh, I think they're angry because we haven't talked about this. Or, oh, I think they've left me behind because we haven't caught up. Or, oh, they're being cold because somebody hasn't said hi yet like that's a very kind of a chill thing i am extremely like stressed out and triggered by the miscommunication trope i just am and this depiction of so what i'm saying is given that this depiction of that miscommunication trope is like is is so well handled that like it didn't prompt that for me even though normally this is Mm. something that would really really stress me out and so i'm saying even though it has this trope that can be extremely stressful like the way that it's handled as especially as it ties into the abandonment just like that whole bundle of things i think i agree that it's moderate okay i think i think you're highlighting more of our care rating but yeah I, i agree with moderate in general because there, there are definitely ways that this could be much more severe. Yeah. I think the way that it's yes. framed helps a lot. Um, yes, absolutely. I was more thinking in terms of like, this does the minimum you need to do to establish that miscommunication is happening. But that's care. But it's also moderate. It's also like moderate is also how often and how many. And I'm saying that is small. So it is care, but it's also here. Okay. okay. Uh, kidnapping. Oh, severe. MJ, what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> yes okay that's, that's fair severe. <laughs> agreed it's severe oh. it's not torture porn it is not in any way played oh i have a weird question okay uh and i i don't actually have an opinion on this which is why i'm just throwing this out to the group we know the backstory because it's in another book but is this also backstory um, I'm not sure if we should judge that as its backstory because it's not in uh-oh. this book or if it's just on screen because it was on screen somewhere else. Um, Does that make sense? Yeah. Because like Sandry's like, especially with the, with the claustrophobia, like we aren't given context for that in this book at all. It just happens. Right. I would say that because that kidnapping is unique to this book. Well, I know, but we talked about a lot of things with with our discussion of this, which is why I'm asking. Oh, sure. Is this a severe, is this severe, or is this all severe and backstory? I think an argument can be made for backstory, because things have happened in Sandry's past that have set her up to have this experience. 
Okay. Yeah, it's it's backstory, but it's also kind of at the level of this is an 18-year-old character kind of level of backstory. Well, it, it it is, but I just wanted to know if we if that was backstory because it was somewhere else or if we were saying it wasn't because we did actually read about it somewhere else. So, I'm I'm just yeah. I'm good with severe and backstory. Oh yeah. Like No, this is not an for- either or. This is Yeah. Uh, why this trauma? Mental illness. Integral, interchangeable, or irrelevant? I would say it's interchangeable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was thinking that as well. Like, I'm really glad we got to see this character again. Like, I'm very excited about that. But the reason that we needed him is because something happens to Triss, which means that she's not in a position to do what she normally does. And we could just have easily, like still had Triss in place for this key moment that he does instead. Well, even without considering plot things, I think it's important for Triss's character development that gets her through to the end of the plot. Mm-hmm. And that ch- that character growth didn't have to even involve another person. Yeah. It did yeah. have to happen. Yeah. But it didn't need to be him. I agree with that. So yeah, interchangeable. I'm super glad he's in here. It's nice. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I love this character. I'm actually very glad that he wasn't just a throwaway in Dodge's book. I'm glad he, like, I uh, I, I am- Or in uh, Cold Fire, since there's one literally called Dodge's book. I wasn't going to specify which of Dodge's books he was in. Okay. That was my- I was trying to be obscure. <laughs> Sorry, when Dodge's book is a title, it just made it sound like you said the wrong title. Sorry. No, uh, not the wrong title. Just that he's part of her- set up her arc yeah yeah her arc and then comes in here and is like oh now you know more <laughs> like it's, yeah. it's really nice and it's really i don't know i like it uh abandonment what do we think i think i think it is integral yeah. i think that it sets up for everything in this plot i don't think that this book would have worked the same if and i don't think it would have been believable if it had just been yep yeah. everything's fine Back to normal. One hundred percent agree. Good to see you. Yeah, no, th- that would have been that would have been really jarring. Yeah, I mean, um, for me, it it was jarring because I was like, <laughs> "What? No, no!" But also, it completely makes sense, <laughs> and it would have felt too neat if they didn't have any issues after being apart for like yeah. five years. It would have felt like those stories where characters brush off things that would have been mm-hmm. horrifying and they're just fine forever it would have felt like it would have felt dismissive and it would have felt like the middle quartet didn't matter yeah i think it would have done a yeah. disservice to our characters yes absolutely all right the uh, kidnapping is integral or interchangeable because there's so many things going on to try and get sandry to be there plot wise and stay like I th- I think because they said it, I would like to argue that because it was set up as a cultural practice, yeah. it's integral. If it just happened, that would be interchangeable. Okay, but there's so much lead up to this. There's so much. There's so there's so much of a a build up to and a precedent set for it and a a cultural emphasis placed on it and other pieces in the cultural related to it and pieces of how characters interact with each other related to this and yeah it's it's not just a thing that happened that could be swapped out because if it was swapped out this would not be the same book it also plays because of all of the implications this is true go ahead no go ahead it also plays a huge role in sandry's 
growth and the way she thinks about her responsibilities. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because without something this bad happening without her intervention, she might just have yeah. left again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, dodged whatever thing the Empress wanted her to do and left. And yeah. the resolution for everyone but her would have been worse. Yeah. I agree with that. But it did, because, like, this comes after a bunch of other books, one of which was sent set in the same country, it did feel, like, a little bit like this practice was made up for this book. Because they have to explain, oh, here's why your uh, previous Namornese characters didn't have to worry about it. Well, like, uh, I just... In terms of, like, a series arc, that did feel a little odd, and I'm like, you could have done something else here, but I do agree that just within this book, it is integral. Well, I th- I think it, it, I actually felt the opposite. I felt mm. like this being a thing in this part of Namorn feels yeah. more realistic. Because- because cultures are right. not uniform. The place this where we were previously in Namorn was completely different. It was more like a city. It was more urban. And this feels very like... Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Country-oriented. Yeah. And and also, too, where we were previously, uh, they there was a lot of emphasis on, on the parents... Of the kids in question valuing Uh their daughter's independence. And I think that that contrast really highlights... The the emphasis placed on that contrast, I think, really highlights it making... It makes it make sense to me as a... Yeah, and I guess they still had... Like, we got to see a tiny pocket. (laughs) And I guess they still had comments of it being married young and finding bride contracts. Like... Yes, this it is con- yes. I get, okay. I do see how it is consistent with this, even if that particular practice born out of that social paradigm wasn't a thing in that other book. Yeah. So okay, but also the other book was located in a place where the terrain was much less forgiving. Yeah. And uh, trying to without a lot of spoilers, if I can, trying to kidnap someone while on ice <laughs> skates doesn't sound like a great cultural practice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so. Yeah. Just saying, like, that might okay. also, there are some other factors at play. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, uh, MJ, can you, would you like to start us off with, uh, for mental illness, how, how much care would you argue this was given? Uh, I don't remember what the ratings are for care, but I think that it was given. Yes, enough, not enough, I, and just no. I think Yes, enough, not enough, and no. Right. I think it's probably yes. Just because... Okay. Okay. What we see is this character who is a product of a really messed up society that did not take care (laughs) of them at all. Meeting people who have been there, understand that this could have easily been them, and just take such good care of him. Like, they Uh understand that he is a product of this messed up society and that he needs a different approach and that there's nothing necessarily wrong with him. And if there is, they'll find out what that is, not just like knee-jerk reaction to the first thing that's weird. They're not just going to throw magic on him to try and fix what they think is wrong. They're going to like take the time to talk to him and learn about him and figure out what it is that he needs. And I think that's a really important thing to see. Can I back up your... Sure. Your stance on this? Because I thought of something. 
I think it, it makes it, at least for me, it kicks it up into that, that category of just yes also because um, we don't watch Triss descend into incoherence. There's a separation there for our main characters mm-hmm. too. Like for us as readers, like we're not just, we're, we're not experiencing Triss losing the ability yeah. to function. We're not experiencing a character losing that. Oh yeah, because like the this particular trauma could have been one that was stuck on Triss in the story. Oh yeah, it could have just happened to yeah. her as we watched, <laughs> and that didn't happen. And there's some, but we still, but we still saw it. You know, there's something to be said for the care of watching someone rebuild as opposed to yeah. watching someone fall apart. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. All right. Uh, uh, abandonment. What do we think? I thought it was handled yeah. well. I mean, I found it upsetting when I first read the book because I I wanted to see everyone just getting along <laughs> after a separation, a period of separation when I'd also been missing that connection reading it. But I think it was handled yeah. well, and I think it was handled in a way that that didn't feel um, overly jarring or it didn't feel like it was stirring up drama for the sake of right. creating drama and therefore wasn't triggering as triggering, but it 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 was realistic. It mm-hmm. felt like a natural part of our characters' lives. Mm-hmm. I think it also helped too that because we did have we do have four points of view, um, we got to see somebody being afraid that someone else was angry, and then we immediately flipped to the other person who's just like, "Nope, I just need to handle this," and then we can talk. <laughs> like, so you know, as far as like, there's no the characters are miscommunicating, but we as readers are not in on that. Mm-hmm. That's important too. <laughs> like we know they're not abandoning each other, and we can still watch and be like, "No, just talk," <laughs> and like it's fine. So, for all that, is it yes or enough? I'd say yes, but yeah, yes, okay, yeah. I mean, like I said, like normally this is a trope that just stresses me out. <laughs> and while I didn't like it, I didn't have the anxiety that I normally have. Mm-hmm. Um, even on the first reading of this, which was a while ago, but like mm-hmm. I have been bothered by this trope for a very long time, so I trust that. <laughs> um, for the kidnapping, I'm gonna say mm-hmm. enough because this is one of those traumas where expressing the severity ends up involving not being able to handle it completely yeah. with care because you either fail on expressing the severity or you fail on treating your reader with care just because of what kind of trauma it is um yeah i would say also that there's enough and we kind of talked about this in our our segment but there's there's enough disparate varying traumas that all feed into this kidnapping that it's entirely possible that if you're reading this um it's gonna it's i'm i'm agreeing with enough because yeah it would be it's very 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 difficult to give like seven concurrent interlocking all individually separately traumatic factors <laughs> just yeah. care yeah it's very incredibly likely that this particular piece is going to be difficult to read for some reason and there's a lot of possibilities here mhm and I, I realize that's a lot of hypotheticals. No, that's fair. Um, but um, point of view. Well, I, I, I have a, I have a. I we didn't do this for the other books. I would like to 
uh, I would like to to do our wording here with the, with the point of view of the trauma and the aftermath. I would like to say for this book, what we want to know, I would like to propose that we say the protagonist versus someone else, because this book rotates viewpoints so much that we kind of get everything, every, every point of view that we get from one character, we get it from everyone else eventually anyway. And from as far as our four pro tags go. So the question is, I think... Is the point of view of these traumas our four protagonists or is it someone else? Does that make sense? Does that line up? Yeah, like, okay. kind of, I think I understand what you're saying. So, like, for mental illness, <clears throat> the character in question is not one of right. our four protagonists. And so right. the point of view is, is not that. the person who's going through the trauma. But yes. the abandonment and the kidnapping are oh. at least part of the time exactly. from the perspective of the people affected. Yeah, that makes sense. Just because I don't want to write for every single one of these at Briar Because that's what will happen. <laughs> so. Yeah. All right. So that being said, uh, mental illness. I mean, I just. <laughs> yeah. Did we have the character? Oh, no. no. I've closed my notes. Did we get his perspective no. at all? Or did we no. just get them? I mean, I just said what it is. It's that for mental illness, we don't get the pers- per- person going through it. And then for the yeah. other two traumas, we do. And yeah. also other people, but we get the person going through it. What about the... Well, I would like to argue that for mental illness, for the point of view, because it's backstory, I would like to argue we don't get a point of view on it. Um, That we only get the aftermath. Okay. If anybody disagrees with me, that's totally valid. I mean, I think it's ongoing, though. Yeah, like, I agree that it's oh, ongoing. Okay. He doesn't, he's not magically okay the instant this book starts, and that's kind of what it's about. Like, no. they give him things to help deal so that he can sort out things. Like, I, I think the trauma is ongoing, but this book helps move it into feeling a little bit more like Aftermath. But it's yeah. not done. Okay. Like, okay. Briar, Briar even tells him, hey, you're not magically fixed. Yeah. We, we did a magic <laughs> thing, but you're not magically fixed. Like, there is a difference. Yeah. We gave you an aid. We didn't heal you. Like, the book itself tells you. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, I think for me, the way the kids handle it makes it feel like aftermath. But you're right. It's it's not over yeah. for our character. Oh, no, it's not over. Like That's why I want to see him in another book like five years later. Like, I want to see this character again. I need to know. There is a possibility. I didn't realize when you said in another book earlier, you meant healed as an old. I thought you meant to, to like him as a younger person. No, no, I meant older. I do mean oh. like five years in the future, like healed. Like, that is what I mean. Okay. Like, cool. this book is progressing. This series progresses mostly linearly. It, and it does. I just didn't realize that you didn't mean we want his early childhood or whatever. Nah, like, okay. I don't. <laughs> that would be a really <laughs> sad Like book. a novella or something could be cool. It, it would. I- <laughs> but, like, only a novella because he goes through a lot and it overlaps with stuff that Triss and Daja went through enough that I don't think it would be a healthy thing to read as like a full book. I don't think that would be a good catharsis for anybody. But seeing well, here <laughs> and healing, I think I'm would immediately be flashing to our conversations about battle magic <laughs> magic and your issues with it, where it's like, yeah, yeah. But I mean <laughs> I 
being repeated. I'm not equating them. That's just where no, my no, brain no. immediately went was that tonal shift. Yeah. Like, um, you, if he were one of the kids, you could make more of an argument for it. But, like, yeah. here, I think a novella would be cool. I think more would be, like, a distraction from the main people we're trying to follow in this series. That's more what I mean. Oh, okay. I gotcha. Uh, next. Like, if I got look at how terrible his life was for 40 years rather than the next book with the four kids, I would be kind of upset. <laughs> no, it's not. It's. I was not thinking, look at how terrible his life is for 40 years. I was thinking, I, th- I thought you meant, like, we pick up when he's, like, yeah. 12 and end when he's, like, 17 yeah. or something. But anyways, uh, next topic. Is this just all our our pro tags, or do we have anyone else we want to write in here? Do we for- get a little of the Empress's perspective? I can't remember on- Oh, yeah, we do. On Yeah, on the kidnapping, I would say that we get her- well, and we get that, uh... I feel like we also get a little of Ambrose for abandonment. Well, yeah, for Sandra specifically. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Wait, Ambrose for, for the abandonment with the... In terms of Sandry's responsibilities. Oh, yes, that's true. Yeah, because he kind of is one of the people she abandoned a bit. Right, and he has to deal with the result of that until it is resolved. Yeah. Yeah. Ambrose is the most, I don't want to say, I don't want, okay, I started to say this. I don't want to say Ambrose is the most sympathetic character. Ambrose is definitely the one character who's like, I think deals with things and doesn't get to process them on screen. Like he's kind of just dealing with them on his own in the back. Every once in a while, he gets to say something to Sandry about it. And a very... Yeah. Every once in a while, he's like, hey. And a very snide, like, don't you have all the answers kind of way. <laughs> like, are you sure? I like Ambrose. All he's right. a good character. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's cool. All right. Aspiring writer tip. If uh, MJ or Anna, if either of you has one. I do not, but MJ's a writer. <laughs> Not a good one. <laughs> Lies. Get off my case. Well, <laughs> no, <I'm kidding. laughs> Lies. You you can't say that about yourself. <laughs> I can say whatever I want. You're not my supervisor. I'm spamming you with That's gifts true. again if you say that again. <laughs> uh, I'll help. No, I'm, I'm trying to think uh, of what I could... <laughs> recommend or advise based on this book the thing that i keep coming back to and i don't even really know if this is a particularly good tip is that don't be afraid to sow some discord between your characters just because you want everyone to be happy and lovely and nothing bad happens to them that's not what life is and life is not just one big fluff piece of banter and it can't be you know people grow up they grow apart but also, but also, if you're going to do that, like have whatever their Discord is, like yes, fit their definitely. personalities. Because, oh, yeah. uh, because the reason I hate the miscommunication trope is because it usually involves someone who is normally extremely good at communicating, just suddenly not for yeah. like no reason. So, yeah, the miscommunication yeah. trope only works if there's a very valid reason for it to be occurring. And if it and if you don't inflict it on your readers, or if you do, they know yeah. that it's happening. Because yeah, 
And I think when it's fully explored, too, because a lot of times people will just be like, they're not talking to each other. And it's very frustrating to watch that happen, even if you know both perspectives. And this is thoroughly exploring why they're not like in this particular moment, they're not communicating what their fears are instead of just making you want to shake them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and here we're like with this tip, a thing that I would mention, like, especially since Battle Magic was published after the Will of the Empress, but we oh, yeah. we did our episode order this way because I really think you should read Battle Magic first before you read the Will of the Empress, even though it was published later. Because otherwise, for everything with Briar, you're like, why is he like let's what's going on? What was so bad in the place that he went to? Like I don't get it. And if you read Battle Magic, then you're like, oh, I get it. Because otherwise, it's like, why is Briar, like, suddenly like this? Who's Luvo? Like, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of missed context. Yeah. And I, I the, the second time of reading Battle Magic, I was reading it before reading Will of the Empress, and Will of the Empress was a better reading experience, and Battle Magic was a better reading experience, because I was like, okay, no, 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 I know why Briar doesn't know how to talk about this. I understand. And I think that helped, like, with that, like, miscommunication and distance. Like, yeah. I also understood understand why the writer needed to maybe wait a bit to, like, figure out how to yep. handle Battle Magic. Yeah. Like, yeah, like take a little bit more time, get that done right. Cool. But now <laughs> that it's published, read it before you read this one. Yeah. That's my reading tip for this <laughs> series. Uh, favorite non-traumatic thing about the book? Start with our guests. Does this have to be spoiler free? That. Mm, if possible. Or phrased in a way where like anyone who reads the book will know what it is and anyone who hasn't will be like, that's intriguing. Queer representation. Yes. Ooh. That's mine. Yep. Because in terms of publishing order, yeah, this is the first time where they're like, by the way, confirmed. <laughs> so that's, yes. Oh, sorry, not to take a thing. I just wholeheartedly agree. <laughs> we can share it. It's fine. It can be both of our things. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I have, I have my own. I have another one. <laughs> Someone else can go because I'm still thinking of mine. Uh, Robin, you go. Um, so a thing that I'm discovering that I like, because I really love, like, um, banter and political intrigue and, like, uh, extremely important conversations that sound innocuous. Um, and a thing I'm finding more and more is that I enjoy scenes where someone is communicating a thing based on how they're handling objects like plants. And they're communicating, like, weirdly specific important things based on stuff with that. And I was appreciating, like, all the little stuff, like, in the greenhouses with, like, getting to see the Empress in this different space. Mm -hmm. And how, like, even in this different space, she's still very much herself and a slightly different side of her, not that she's, like, better. Um, but anyway, I, I really liked all the stuff where, like, Briar is interacting with her in this very different zone. I like that, too. Uh, Anna, Anna, you or me? I can go. I, so I kind of, like, I'm gonna keep this vague, that despite the fact that there are some very pressing 
interpersonal and political issues, we've returned to kind of a, a more mature, but a space that was held in the first series of them just kind of going about their day and doing things together and existing mm-hmm. and living without some pressing big bad thing on the horizon, which happens in a lot of the um, middle books. And so I like seeing them interact. I like seeing them rediscover how to interact with one another. I find that that camaraderie to be very um, to be very delightful to read and something that I don't think we see in a lot of books a lot of the time because there's always like a big plot capitalized happening. And this is more like navigating intrigue and day-to-day stuff. Um, and I like that. I enjoy that a lot. Very vague, but... Yeah. Cool. And Nicole, what's yours? Mine is probably just... <laughs> it's hard. I just love this book in general. I th- Okay. Non-traumatic. <laughs> I think, without spoilers, my favorite moment is, I think my favorite non-traumatic thing is the ways in which they learn to re-reach out to each other. Yeah. In general. Mm -hmm. Overall. That's all I'm gonna say. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. I just, I, I like that it's doesn't look the same like the same thing twice. I like that it's never for the same reason. I like that it is uh it's it's never assumed that if one person if person A is talking to person B and B is talking to C that C and A will just connect. That doesn't happen. That happens in a lot of stories. It does not happen here. Every single character has to have a reason and a trust rebuilt first. Mhm. And I just I like it. It's just very good. If I may give honorary mention to one thing. Honorary yeah. mention to Absolutely. developing bad habits about your magic. <laughs> because you're no longer in an environment where you have to be really good at it. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, yeah that's fair. <laughs> Just Briar realizing, oh dang, uh, Sandry is, has gotten really good at this. When was the last time I even meditated? What is going on? <laughs> and then and then and then Sandry be like, oh no, I haven't tended to this at all. <laughs> yeah, the the kids calling themselves out for not keeping up is really fun. honorary mention to that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So, uh plug your pluggable pluggables. Anna, why don't you start? Sure. So I can be found uh our podcast can be found on certainpov.com. Or wherever you find podcasts, you can find us on Twitter at COFpod. And then personally, I can be found at Anna Lionhearted on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok when I remember that it exists, etc. You can find me, MJ, also on Circle of Friendship Podcast, wherever fine podcasts are sold. You can also find me on Reignite, which is about Mass Effect, the Rob Thomas No Not That One Robcast, which is about the creative works of Rob Thomas. And I know what you're thinking. It's not that one. You can also find me on Archives of the Dragon on twitch.tv slash Archives of the Dragon every Friday playing a punk rock selkie who has no idea what they're doing. (laughs) (laughs) And you can find us wherever you got this podcast. Uh, And we will catch you in a fortnight unless you're a patron, in which case we'll catch you in a week for the epilogue.
All music used in this podcast was created by Nicole as Heartbeat Art Co. and is used with permission. You can follow us on Twitter at Books That Burn, all one word. You can email us with questions, comments, or book recommendations at bookstheburn at yahoo.com. Support us on patreon.com slash books that burn. All patrons get access to our upcoming book list and receive a one-time shout out. You can leave us an iTunes review. This helps people to find the show. And find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in two weeks.